Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Holy Commutes podcast morning radio show, the only show in Wiffle Ball that gives you daily Wiffle content from around the Wiffle world. My name is Sam Skibby, back for your Thursday edition of the Holy Commutes in this shortened season. I talked last week in my Holy Commutes about the United Wiffle Ball World Championship Tournament, and I'm going to continue that talk today. I know the Cook Brothers kind of mirrored the same thing, and of course that's the biggest event in all of Wiffle Ball that's most recent. And a lot of people are still thinking about the tournament. Maybe you're thinking that what if, or maybe you had a great time and you know you can do better next year. And Paul and Tim did a great job of kind of breaking down some numbers when it came to returning teams in Monday's episode. If you haven't listened to it, go on and take a listen. I totally get the what if game. 2023 was kind of a a what if for myself. Uh, Obviously starting with the NWLA tournament, Uh, It's always kind of a what if for the SWBL Cardinals, but this year more than any, uh, obviously being up three runs going into the last inning, but a what if there. Another what if I had this year was for the MoWIF League here in Chesterfield, Missouri in St. Louis. We had the Mojo, who were the best team in the regular season, a great roster that Doug Meyer had built my captain, and we came up just short uh, on a home run in the semifinals when we believed we were the best team all year long. And then of course a what if is left in my mind about United Wiffle when I got hurt four weeks before breaking my foot four weeks before the tournament. I am doing better now, finally off crutches, which is great, and walking as I mentioned last week, but it leaves me wanting more for 2024. And no, I didn't mean for that to rhyme. But today I'm going to be talking about the 2023 World Championship Tournament. And I want to kind of go back to the contenders brackets. It's always interesting because this tournament starts off with a random draw for the five pools, you know, A through E, to start the contenders brackets. And eight teams get selected for each one, so the 40 teams split up into five different pools. And you play like winners. So if you win a game, you play another winner. If you lose a game, you play another team that lost. So it's always interesting to go back to me to see what could have been or what teams really did get screwed or what teams had a nice draw. So today I'm gonna go through the original drawn pools for 2023 and I'm gonna break it down by pool and maybe highlight a few teams in their run that they had or the run that they could have had if they had a different draw that they received. I'm also gonna highlight a few teams that really had a fantastic run and ones that should be highlighted as well and a similar one to what I talked about on Monday. But I'm gonna start with a little stat here. All of the 20 games that happened, the first round 20 games, seven of those games featured two top 24 finishing opponents. An example, 603 and Punishment in Pool A faced off in the first round, both of them finishing obviously in the top 24. So I'm gonna go through each pool, kind of talk about those games first. The 603 Punishment game was the only one in Pool A that had a top 24 matchup. Punishment obviously not going as far as 603 in this year's tournament, but kind of a tough road for Punishment in 603 to get started off. In pools C, D, and E, there was also only one other game that was a top 24 matchup. In pool C, we had CCW and the Stompers to start it off. We all know the Stompers story. I'm going to get to them a little bit later. They started 0-2, and the Stompers actually a top 8 team, and CCW a top 12 team. 
In Pool D, you had the Risers and the Las Vegas Whifflers. Both of these teams are actually top 12 teams, so kind of our highest matchup that we had to start off the 2023 World Championship Tournament. So the New School Risers, a surprise team for a lot of people, and then the Las Vegas Whifflers were one of the heavy favorites. And then in Pool E, you had the Moeth Miracle versus Ridley Park. Both of those teams finishing out of the top 16, but still a top 24 matchup. If you look at all of those games, and we'll start with Pool E, obviously many people thought Pool E was the easiest one, and the Phenoms kind of walked their way to a 3-0. And then Pool B is the opposite. They had three of those seven games that were top 24 matchups in it. Cajuns and Wiffleholics, two top 16 matchups. The Cajuns and Wiffleholics going at it in the first round. Another two top 16 teams, TC35 and Usual Suspects going at it in the first round. And then the Canes versus the Waves in that first round for B. That doesn't even include, they also had the Meats in that pool. And the Meats faced off against the Ridley Park Wiffleball League Long Balls. And they're a pretty experienced team in their own right. Just didn't have the pitching this time around. So I'm going to go through each pool. I'm going to start with pool A, and I'm going to talk about a few teams in there and their run that they may have had. I'm going to start with the Black Dog Country Club team. I think this team, while they were a heavy favorite, they've been in the finals before, they actually got pretty unlucky this tournament. I don't think anybody wanted to have the 12 seed going into it, because if you had the 12 seed you had an opportunity to face off against the number one seed from the survivor bracket, which we know ended up being the Canes. So if you ended up as the 12 seed, a two and one team that ended up as a 12 seed, your gift was facing off against a Canes squad. Not the place that Black Dog Country Club wanted to be, but let's talk about why they got there. They actually got there because the replacement team took the number 11 seed. So the replacement team, after losing their first round game, they lost to the Maryland Horsemen. After losing that first round game in Pool E, they went on to win in the next two games by shutout fashion. Now, we all know runs allowed is what decides the different seating. The Black Dog Country Club gave up four runs in their first game, and the replacement team lost to the Maryland Horsemen only by giving up three. So one run separated Black Dog Country Club from having to face the Canes rather than the Cajuns, who the replacement team had to face. And the Cajuns ended up beating the replacement team. You got to believe that Black Dog Country Club was going to give them a little bit more competitive of a game. So in Pool A, I got to give the nod to Black Dog Country Club for getting the most quote unquote screwed for their tournament they did not make it into the top 16 this year, and I don't think that anybody would say that they're not a top 16 team. So Black Dog Country Club, going to get back there again next year, going to be retooled and ready to go, and maybe with a little bit of luck, they'll get back to where they know they can be. Speaking of B, moving on to Pool B, we're going to talk about the death group. First and foremost, let's talk about the team that was probably screwed more than any other team in the entire tournament, and that is the Ridley Park Wiffleball League Long Balls. They were the only team in Pool B that did not make it into the top 24. Every single other team, all seven other teams in the B pool were in the top 24. So the Ridley Park Wiffleball League Long Balls had nowhere to hide, and their pitching clearly showed that as well. So you could put them up there. Obviously, they went 0-3 in this very stacked group, 
And unfortunately for them, they got the brunt end of the deal. Another team I wanna highlight in this group is TC35. They had a very tough road facing off against the usual suspects and then the winner of the Canes versus Waves. But while they had a tough schedule at the beginning, they kind of got lucky in their top 16 run. They did go one and two, but then they found themselves in the survivor bracket facing off against an old line team who notoriously has gone winless. And then after they won that game, the dumps did them a favor by beating the NWLA tournament champions, the Keggers. So they faced off against the dumps. So TC35 walks to get out of the survivor bracket in two games. And then their gift is facing a miracle team against a rookie pitcher who has never been in this tournament before. So after winning that game, of course, they face off against the usual suspects who are the eventual champions, but they got three big wins when it counted. And Kanda Jasso is a man on a mission on the mound. So incredible run from TC35 at the end. And while their tough schedule was ahead of them, they still made up for it in the back end, making that top 16 run. But the one big team I want to talk about in this group is the Canes. The Canes had a very interesting tournament, starting with their off-season change from Cam Smith to Randy Dalby, and then not having Kenny Stengel due to sickness. So this team was shorthanded by all means, and Kenny also uh, a pretty good pitcher for pool play for them last year, so they lost his arm as well. So for the Canes to make a top eight run had to be something special, and it was. They lost to the Waves to start off their game two to one. They turned that around and beat TC35 two to one. Then the surprise losing to the Wiffleholics to go one and two into the survivor bracket as the one seed, mind you, but they face off against the winner of MLW and the Maryland Horsemen. Horsemen getting a win, obviously, and MLW always a tough team. They ended up facing MLW and they beat them, of course. The, the Canes went on into the final 24 bracket. This is where it got interesting because they had to run through a gauntlet. They beat Black Dog Country Club. They beat C4. And then their gift is the two-time defending champion, Jugs. I mean, for them to go so far with that shorthanded group, now, mind you, their shorthanded group would be many teams' <laughs> best players. But getting to the point where they could get to the top 24, put them in a position, and beat two incredible teams, then almost beat the Jugs is a feat in itself and an incredible run for them. So congratulations to the Canes. I know that they will be back in better than ever next year as this franchise continues to grow. Let's talk about Pool C and I'm gonna start it off by talking about Slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse is one of those teams that you know could play spoiler to a lot of teams and make a little bit of a run. Their gift for the start opening game is to face off against the two-time defending champion, Jugs. And the Juggernauts beat Slaughterhouse in the first round. Not by much, mind you, as the Slaughterhouse team put up a huge fight. I believe Brett Kaledi pitched right at the beginning. So for them to go after the Jugs, much respect to Slaughterhouse for trying to get that win early. Slaughterhouse then faced off against the Governors, who we all know went 0-3. So Slaughterhouse handled them pretty well. And then their gift was getting a CCW team who just lost to the North Stars. And CCW top 18 last year, and obviously CCW comes away with the win, and Slaughterhouse ends up being one and two. Now, Slaughterhouse also gets a little bit screwed because they face off against a decent Dragons team, and then they get the winner of the SoCal Stompers game, and we all know the incredible run the Stompers had. Just a tough way for Slaughterhouse to be eliminated when they had so much hope and so much promise in what they could do 
on the field against any team. The next one in Group C is the Stompers, of course. You got to talk about them. They started 0-2. They faced off against CCW. Then they faced off against the Keggers, losing two in a row. And then making it to the top eight is nothing short of remarkable. They had to go through SoCal. They had to go through the Slaughterhouse team. They had to go through North Stars. They had to go through 603. They had to go through With Inc. They're getting through these teams that aren't slouches by any means. And they did it in such a way that as a team, you felt the energy just continue to rise. They were in the field next to us facing off when they were facing off against the North Stars. And you just felt that something shifted in their gameplay. Colin Prentice, again, a man on a mission and led them through the gauntlet. And they took with ink to the brink of elimination, losing two to one in extra innings. Wouldn't that have been fun to see what would have happened if they would have beat Withink? So congratulations to the Stompers on an incredible run. And they took what could have been a screwed situation going 0-2 and turned it into something so magical. So congrats to them. Pool D. I think the team that got the most screwed in Pool D was MLW, Major League Wiffle, led by Kyle Schultz and crew, um, Tommy Coughlin. You know, they're always there making sure that the Friday night festivities go over so well and they bring the fans in to watch. We also almost had an MLW versus Bay City game. If Bay City would have won their 0-1 game, they would have faced off against MLW. And MLW and Bay City would have been a fun game to watch. But MLW going one and two, they had to face off against the Maryland Horsemen, who the Maryland Horsemen also getting their first win in the tournament. And then their gift was facing the Canes. So unfortunately for MLW, having to face off against some very tough teams uh, like Whiff Inc. and uh, the Canes was not the run they wanted to have. But Got to beat the best to be the best, and MLW, I know, will be back next year looking to improve and get better each time they're on the field. Next, I'll talk about a surprise team from Pool D, and that is the New School Risers. New School Risers had a great tournament. They made it 2-1 out of their bracket, and their face-off against Punishment in the first round. Both those teams, New School Risers and Punishment, were 2-1. They got to face off against each other in the round of 24. New School Risers came out with the win. They faced off against the Meats and almost beat the Meats. One to nothing game for the Risers. A great pitched game from both teams. Meats getting the better of it though and the Meats faced off against the Suspects in the round of eight, which could have been the Risers. And that would have been, I think, the most talked about run in the tournament. Um, Stompers kind of took that mantle, but I think if the Risers would have beat the Meats there, it would have been the most talked about game and the most talked about run. So congrats to the Risers on the top 16 finish. I know that they will be hungry for more next year in 2024. And that'll move us to Pool E. Pool E really didn't have a lot of teams that got screwed necessarily. The Miracle, Moeth Miracle Ridley Park game kind of decided um, who would move stay in the winner's bracket, but ultimately both those teams going two and two, they if they would have flip-flopped, if Ridley would have beat Miracle in the first round, both these teams would have ended up in the same exact position. Both of them on the website on United Wiffle are at the 17 mark, just outside the top 16. So it's basically like the Moeth, Miracle, and Ridley Park, the two teams that faced off against each other, had literally the exact same tournament. No other team really got screwed. This was kind of the weaker pool that many saw. Um, so all these teams were kind of expected to be in the places that they got. 
including the Phenoms, who had a top four finish. But the Phenoms are the team that we should probably talk about the most from Pool E because it was their pool, period. The Phenoms, in my opinion, were the second best team in the tournament. After watching them, I would have said they were the first best team in the tournament and the uh, perennial favorites, but the usual suspects definitely deserved the win and the nod because they beat the Phenoms handedly in their semifinal matchup. The Phenoms, though, had a scenario where they in their 2-0 game, and I talked about this last week, they were facing off against the Moeth Miracle and Ryan O'Rear hit a home run in the last inning off Vin Lee before the Phenoms ended up mercying Miracle. But as we all know, runs allowed is the tiebreaker for seeding. So that one home run by Ryan O'Rear pushed the Phenoms from the number one seed, they would have been the number one seed, all the way down to the three seed. So the Phenoms could have been in the spot where Whiff Inc. is facing off against the Stompers in the first round instead of Las Vegas Whifflers, kind of losing some steam and then getting to the suspects. They would have faced instead the Stompers and then the Jugs. And that Phenoms-Jugs game, the rematch of last year's finals, would have been an electric atmosphere in the semifinals. Obviously, the Phenoms have a lot uh, left on the table, and I'm sure they're kind of kicking themselves, and they want something back, kind of like we had with the NWA tournament as well. I can't say enough good things about the Phenoms. You know that they'll be back into a top eight plus finish uh, next year in 2024, and it was so fun to watch. The one thing that I said last week, and I'll kind of say it again, usual suspects versus the Jugs, fine. Two best teams going at it. The two teams that have won two championships in the United Wiffle realm, the era. But it's time to get some new winners. You look at these brackets and you look at all these teams, the seven games out of the 20 in the first round that were top 24 matchups. You look at the teams that got screwed maybe. You look at the teams that kind of had an easier run but ended up not making the top eight anyway. All these things play out because this format is so great. So I commend the format again. The cream rises to the top and that top echelon of teams is always going to be left standing. So just like Paul and Tim said, it's got to be teams that work on it all year long and continue to get better. Those middle of the road teams, it's going to be exciting. Who makes that next jump? Who is next year's new school risers? Who is next year's stompers? I'm going to make some predictions for you and then we'll get out of here for your Thursday holy commutes. It would be easy for me to pinpoint teams that didn't make the top 16 that should like the Ridley Park team. Obviously, when you have a guy like Brendan Boaz, who is one of the best pitchers in the country, obviously you're going to be in the conversation to some team that should be in that top 16. Teams that should be in the top eight, you know, you're looking at Skull Crushers. Or you're looking at the way too beautiful making that next jump if they can continue with the same team. TC35 has the talent to do it. And as long as they're all healthy and Connor continues to grow, they could make that next step into the top eight. And there's some other teams too from the, the top 16 that you could see making it back. Punishment, a team that is very young, looking to make a, a splash. Uh, the Moeth Miracle and the North Stars having decent 2-0 starts and then falling short going 2-2. So you know that they would like to get back into that top 16 and make a run. And the Whiskey Ducks and Waves as well. So many teams that you could see making a run. It'd be easy to say Black Dog Country Club and C4 because those are teams that have been there before. But it's going to be exciting to see all those middle-of-the-road teams, those 2-2 two two teams that finish from 17-24. to 24. Who makes that next step into the 16 and then possibly even into the 8? 
That's it, folks. I mean, it's the last Thursday of Holy Commutes for the final season of 2023. And the congratulations to Wiffzilla, who just won that BLW Arizona tournament. And that's kind of it for the Wiffle Ball season in 2023. Last thing that's going to be kind of up for, for me is getting the National Wiffle Awards kind of going for all those leagues out there and making sure we have a lot of recognition for some great wiffle ball played in 2023. You'll see that in January as we start rolling that out online, on Twitter, and on the Holy Commutes podcast for January. I want to thank uh, Paul and Tim for being there every Monday for the Holy Commutes. And I want to thank Josh Smith and Tom Gannon for joining me throughout these couple of weeks. And we'll be back and revamped and reloaded for 2024 in January. Can't wait to see what magical moments are made on the wiffle ball field across the country in 2024. Thank you for joining me for your Thursday commute for this Holy Commutes podcast morning radio show, the only show in wiffle ball that gives you daily wiffle content from around the wiffle world. My name is Sam Skipper, your Thursday host. We'll see you in January, folks. I'm alive, baby, I'm thriving, oh yeah, I'm living.